0: And thanks for tuning in today. We're super excited to welcome you to the debunk, which is the first series of our new Adobe chats program with the help of industry experts. We're going to be using each episode to unpack some of the biggest myths in digital marketing and e-commerce today. We're going to be challenging the idea that customers only care about price. We're asking is price always what matters most or are there other influences like customer experience that actually matter more? Let's turn it over to our experts
1: and see what they think.
0: My name is Jamie Brighton. I'm product marketing lead in EMEA for Adobe, and I'll be your host as we dive into the question, what factor is king in customer decision-making? Is price always the key differentiator or in reality, do other influencers like customer experience, for example, actually matter more? And is the process of convincing customers to buy as complex as we think it is? Joining me today to try and figure out some answers are Rory Sutherland, Vice Chairman at Ogilvy, Marie Uhart, Senior International Marketing Manager at Bowden; and Haley Meenan-Wilkin, Web Trading Manager at Ocado. After an acclaimed c- career as a copywriter and creative director at Ogilvy, Rory has now co-founded a behavioral science practice within the company working with psychology graduates to spot and act upon unseen opportunities in customer behaviors. Now at Bowdoin, Marie is an experienced marketing manager who's worked for high profile brands in fashion and beauty. And Haley is a global e-commerce leader with a history of working from some of the UK's largest brands. As for my own experience, I've worked in marketing on the client agency and vendor side with a focus on optimization, personalization and behavioral targeting. So, despite our very different backgrounds, we're all individuals with a clear interest in understanding what makes customers tick and, ultimately, trying to influence their behavior. We've all been in a situation where we're caught between two products and price rapidly becomes the key decider. Whether you're buying a meal, a car, or a house, price matters. But is it all that matters? After all, we've also heard of the fairly sweeping statement that customers don't buy brands, they buy experiences. Rory, you've got significant experience in this field. So how do the businesses that you've worked with view customer experience? And is it actually what drives people to buy, or is price the be all
1: and end all? Well, first of all, this belief in the primacy of price combined with rational product attributes is really a complete misconception which emerges from mainstream economic doctrine. Uh, If you delve a little bit into uh, conventional modern economics, it makes a series of assumptions in order to construct mathematical models around consumer decision-making. And the assumptions include, for example, um, perfect information and perfect trust. And they also assume that a dollar is a dollar is a dollar. In other words, your perception of price is completely objective. So before we even talk about experience or product attributes, we've got to, first of all, accept the fact that actually, whether something is cheap or expensive, does not (laughs) whether it's perceived as being cheap or expensive, doesn't primarily depend on how much it costs. It depends on what you compare it to. And I'll tell a very interesting story about this, which is uh, just an example of how subjective price perception is. My father, at the age of 80, was completely unwilling to get Sky Television because he thought 17 pounds a month was too much. And I tried a very simple kind of Don Draper mind trick. I simply said, it's not 17 pounds a month, it's 60 pence a day. And he said, what difference does that make? I said, well, you spend two pounds a day on newspapers. If you spend two pounds a day on newspapers, is it all that crazy spending another 60 pence to get 10 news channels and about 100 documentary channels? He's not remotely interested in sport or movies. And that completely changed his mind and he immediately went out and got Sky and is now a massive advocate and evangelist for Sky amongst all his peer group. So even something as simple as what something costs, which economists regard as simply a function of the price you charge, is a nonsense to begin with. It all depends on the emotional response to the cost, and that depends on what you compare it to, the stories you tell, and then Furthermore, once you get into product attributes and customer experience, the principal drivers aren't actually objective qualities. There are very, very few things that are like commodities in reality in any developed economy. So what really matters about the product is very rarely well aligned with the kind of metrics that people use in product improvement. So the thing that matters about a hotel is probably very, very um, poorly correlated with objective metrics like room size or indeed price or indeed you know uh, the kind of food that's available or the quality of the bed. there are all sorts of little emotional um components which make a huge difference to our emotional appreciation of something which interestingly not only the the supplying business may be wrong about because its metrics are misaligned with, uh, consumer perception of value. Consumers themselves don't know what those things are.
0: Marine, let me come to you. So this is obviously a significant area of concern um, in, in the retail industry. How are you focusing on customer experience specifically?
2: Yeah, so um, definitely customer experience is a great great subject. Um, biggest trend that we've seen marketing strategies in the recent years. Um, and I think particularly at the moment when the retail sector um, is, is definitely facing some challenges you know with what what we've had with covid so definitely the time to you know for a lot of brands to reinvent themselves um so what we've seen in retail is this shift from brands focusing on the customer service as the main main touch point with their customers to a real customer-centric strategy through customer experience um and we know that the main impact customer experience has Is, is really creating this, those feelings, these emotions. And so the goal for brands here is really to create this emotional connection with customers. And I mean, If you think about it, this is how human beings connect to each other. We share emotions through common experiences. So that's what it's all about. And that reminded me of this uh, quote that goes, um, people will forget what you said, they will forget what you did, but they will never forget how you made them feel. So what you want really as a brand is to get to know what your customers' main challenges are, and then find personalized solutions for them through the customer experience you give them. Um, and I think to to go back to the, the question about price I think if price was really the main purchase driver then luxury brands would just not exist you know um so to a certain extent to me this is where the foundation of cx comes from going beyond just the simple transactional relationship with customers to really tap into the emotional sphere the the, the elevated needs that we have um, and so really once the the brand knows their customers inside out beyond their primary needs, they can then design personalized solutions that will keep them happy. And we know what a, a happy customer is, it's going to be a loyal customer. And so that's how you're going to really influence the lifetime value of your customers. And so they will keep coming back, and they will coming they will be coming back with, you know, a, a high average order value. And on top of that, they will spread the world around them about what a great customer the customer experience they had with the brand so doing a bit of, of free advertising there for you.
0: Absolutely yeah all, all great points and I'm really keen to bring you in here Hailey and just get your perspective as well on you know what customer what does a good customer experience mean for a cardo and for you specifically as well.
3: Um well I think it it kind of goes past a cardo. So I think actually price is more key than we think. Um, if I look at, I suppose, the profile of the acado customer, I think they would like to to believe that they're quite discerning. That um, they are people who live a certain lifestyle, and you know that's been proven through. Obviously, you only have to look at the Acada range to see the assortment of products to understand that you know they were one of the first people to to get into the organic world, um, big time to actually come out with all of the best health products, um, relaxation, well-being, um, all of the things that are currently on trend for that type of customer. However if you're an Okada customer you also know that if you've bought into the long-term um, delivery agreement um, that you get served up um, on a regular basis um, a half price sale um, and this is phenomenal um, success for the business, which is why they obviously run it so regularly um, and a, a key factor. So it's a real hybrid, really. Um, I think if if we were to talk about something else that I think is absolutely key at the moment is convenience. So I think that every retail business at the moment needs to have that mix everybody, I think, you know, across all status levels, um, looks for the best product at the best price. I I don't think, I think unless you're talking about the very top end designer um, product uh, assortments, I think that's where, you know, people don't have a price resistance. Um, But I think anything that you do Believe that you can get for a better price. People enjoy, and they almost get a level of satisfaction from it because every retailer they work for has, has given me that feedback. Um, but I think convenience is a big factor as well. So people, I think, even even in the current climate, are um, still time poor, cash rich um, in certain in certain ways, and therefore looking at doing two things is quite key. One is serving up the right content to the right audience. I think that's absolutely key. Um, And then also making it convenient for for them to receive it within a, a very, very fast and timely fashion. So if you look at the models that have been successful recently, like, um, Obviously, Sainsbury's have Chop Chop, um, Ocado has Zoom, um, and Marks and Spencer's have most recently famously done a deal with Deliveroo during the um, lockdown um, to deliver their products, which, which took off stormingly well. Um, so I actually think focusing on one um, is not going to help any retailer currently. I think it needs to be an amalgamation of all three, whilst not compromising the brand or the experience. So, hold on to your best practices and principles as a brand, but make sure that you're ticking all of the boxes to keep the person happy.
0: That, that's great. And I, uh, you know, I think personalization is something that's sort of pretty close to my heart. Um, it's something that our customers um, are always looking to try and work out how they can um, get a blend of technology and, uh, you know, an understanding and empathy for the customer and bring those things together. Um, Rory, maybe I'll come to you on, on this one around personalization. Um, you know, what do you think the organisations should be thinking about? What are some of the lines that we should and should cross when it comes to, you know, the obvious topics around using data to understand customer behavior and and marry that up with an experience?
1: Well, a few things you can do. One of the things, of course, is that people are price sensitive in different areas. A cardo would be exceptionally foolish if it started charging four pounds for cucumbers, for example, which we do buy or milk, which are known price items. But you can charge five pounds for marmalade. A very interesting example of that on the high street is, I think, the chain Five Guys, And Five Guys is very clever because it essentially charges a premium where people are willing or indeed desirous of paying it. But it's quite reasonable everywhere else. If you go to Five Guys, the burger itself is, let's be blunt, uh, insanely expensive. It's getting on for £10 for a burger. But if you look at everything else, with the single exception of the shake, um, they're incredibly generous with their provision of fries, the drinks, refills are free, and all the burger toppings, apart from cheese and bacon, they don't charge for. And so when I talk about the psychology of price, it's really, under, it's really important to understand that there are places where people believe you get what you pay for. And there are places where people essentially are buying, as economists would suggest. I'd also go a bit further. I often use a phrase which is, you don't get an endorphin rush from mid-market retail. You get a thrill from a bargain. You get a thrill for, from a half-price sale. And you get a thrill from an extravagance. But the area in between emotionally is much less exciting. And so it's really important, I think, to understand that price is very important to people, but it isn't what economists think it is. Now, in the same way, you can make a danger of setting your kind of service standards in a way that's very, very heavily measured, but not very well aligned with what people emotionally care about. I'll give another Ricardo example here, for example, uh, which is one-hour delivery slots. Now, you know, if you ask consumers, they might say, I'm not that bothered between one hour or two hours. Two hours is fine. Uh, You know, logically, it might cost quite a bit to have one-hour delivery slots, and you'd argue, well, the consumer demand doesn't seem that strong. If you look at it emotionally, however, which is the unspoken part of the experience, what you actually find is that a one-hour delivery slot is no inconvenience at all. It's basically, I've got to be home at 7 o'clock because that's when a cardo are coming, okay? A two-hour delivery slot, if you've already been waiting in for an hour and 45 minutes, feels a bit like being under house arrest. So two things which may seem very little different in terms of their objective qualities can lead to a very different emotional response. I think one of the most disastrous things online retailers do is say delivery within three to five days. If you said delivery on Friday and it was five days off, that actually to the consumer is a very, very different promise to a vague promise with a a large degree of uncertainty. And so understanding those little things, a wonderful discovery in travel was that actually people would rather wait nine minutes for a train with a sign saying next train, nine minutes, than wait five minutes in a state of uncertainty and befuddlement. So what people care about isn't always what you think they care about or what they say they care about, which is why I think behavioral science and experimentation are so important in marketing.
0: Absolutely. And and Marie, how does that translate to the experience that you're trying to give to customers and, and how you're thinking about, um, you know, enticing people back and, and, you know, wrapping around the product that you're providing that, you know, that great experience, which is hopefully going to differentiate you know your brand from all of the others that are out there?
2: Yeah, I think I think it, it's very interesting to, to talk about the the emotional attachment to products and to the brand, and to the experience that you had behind. I think. Um, nowadays, most of us, are most of the people are really in search of a higher sense of purpose behind how we live our life and so that naturally translates into how we shop and the the, the brands that we shop from. Um, we touch base on, on uh, personalization of customers' journey and marketing communications. I think it is key if you really want to deliver a good um, customer experience i think the one of the the challenge that um a lot of international companies have is how do you do that um when you're trading across different countries with a lot of different cultures um so because what is considered as a, as a good uh shopping experience is going to be very different from a country to another so um you know to to go through different examples um to talk about um, how how we do it is that um in China, for example, um, you know, very different customer from um, a French one. Uh, or So in China, you will want to invest heavily into optimizing your mobile experience, as well as how your brand is being featured on social media, how you're working with um, key opinion leaders, um, because what you want is to inspire trust. This is what the customer is craving because of all the challenges that they have in this country, you know, like with uh, internet, internet frauds and others. Um, in Australia, um, you know, you want to invest into visual merchandising tools um, to create localized content that will be relevant to the customer who's got a very, very different weather as what we might have here and complete different season. Um, so you need to be able to play around with your visual uh, merchandising and then. Influence, um, you know, most fashion brands will invest into user-generated content because customers want to see this inspirational, elevated content um, that they can relate to, and they want this sense of um, style advice. You know that they, they can see the, the products being worn by influencers, by other customers as well. Um, and I think the, the, you know, from a more global level, the use of augmented reality is is super, super interesting when it comes to creating an, an amazing customer experience and you know just last night we were playing um with my other half on um our phones because we just bought a new house so um we and we were on, on Made.com website and we were um, playing with different sofas putting them into the living room and and checking how they would fit with the rest of the room and the the, the colors and everything you've got nyx the beauty brand that does that really well with their app so um you can uh, virtually test uh, the different uh, beauty products and you can also have a, a live chat um, and video chat with their uh, beauty consultants. So imagine just a, a fashion brand being able to do that, um, you know, and for a customer to being able to try on the clothes at home um, and and talk to a, a style advisor, um, you know, imagine the, the sort of conversion that you could achieve uh, from that because you don't know how the fit is going to be. When you're you're buying from a new brand so in terms of customer acquisition this is extremely interesting plus um if we go into a second lockdown that might be super useful as well so um so yeah
0: Wonderful. Um, I want to, I think uh, I've got a question here that I think builds on what we've been discussing there. And I'd like to, to put this to you, Haley, because I'd like to get the, the benefit of your experience here in terms of, I mean, I think I, I hope that everyone on the call and everyone who's watching probably would agree that, um, you know, customer experience and customer centricity is, has become kind of critically important. And we move beyond needing to, in many cases, make the case for investing in customer experience. And, and you know, we're, we're now thinking about how do we digitally transform and how do we get the right technology in people and processes? But from a sort of strategic point of view, how do we, you know, how do you see things in terms of the balance? You know, we know that customer um, experience is critical. How do we balance the sort of some of the competing um, things at are play in terms of time and resource and budgets? And, and how do we get kind of internal buy-in that, um, you know, customer experience strategies and, uh, you know, investments in this area are, you know, are kind of critical to the future of the organization? <laughs>
3: um well i think it kind of comes back to what i said originally um, in that, actually, I think getting it right builds that loyalty. And I think certainly, even more within the current climate, what we're seeing is that people who maybe weren't avid internet shoppers certainly are now. Um, they're a lot more savvy. They've downloaded, you know, 10 more apps to shop from. Um, and they will continue that behavior, is my belief. So I think it's almost like a do or die scenario. So I think everybody's going to need to be one step ahead of what the competition are doing. Um, I've spoken to a lot of other e-commerce associates um, over the past few weeks, and everybody is doing transformation products, and um, everybody is looking at, you know, how they're rebuilding their site to be more customer centric and how they are making it more convenient. Um, for the customer to to shop and receive their goods. So a little bit like Rory was saying about, you know, sitting in for two hours, people just don't want to do that now. Um, And it builds a level of insecurity. And if you look at common human behavior, taking internet away from it, people don't like to be insecure on any level. Um, So knowing that your train's coming in nine minutes or knowing that your delivery is going to be here within the hour makes you feel good. And it gives you, it means you're not looking out the window, you're not checking to see if the van can park you're you know that you can get on with your day and get on with your work life etc happy in the knowledge that it's going to be there Um, and i think that's going to be really important and alongside that is making I, i think it's quite reassuring as long as it's not either offensive or obtrusive i think making sure that the customer understands that you understand them so as i said about serving up personalized content i think also um, following that through across your channels to make sure you have consistency across email, your social feeds, etc., makes that person feel like you understand them, you know their personal needs, and therefore they will trust you and stay with you for the long term.
1: A particular thing I love a- as a as a marketer, by the way, is Ocado's practice of saying that Dave will arrive at 7 o'clock in Onion Van and then it cites the registration number. Now, notionally, that's about, presumably, is about customer security. Um, but no consumer would ever say it's very important to me to know what vegetable is on the side of the van which makes my delivery. Something about that gratuitous detail is just reassuring. Now it's one of those things that wouldn't emerge from a logical meeting in a business, and it wouldn't emerge from market research, but it's still contributing to the experience quite meaningfully, I think. And um, there's something charmingly <laughs> mad about that, which, for some reason, if you ever took it away, I'd feel slightly bereft. You, yes, you'd be
0: uh, quite surprised though, Rory. I think. I think well, um, having spoken to uh, delivery drivers of uh, of other major high street retailers, um, uh, at sort of peak times when the companies had to arrange for items to be delivered in non-marked vans, I have heard tell of stories where they've actually sent the delivery drivers home because they wanted to have a van arrive with the logo of the particular brand that they were purchasing from in the street and for everyone to see that those items were coming from that particular retailer. So you'd be surprised at what people, uh, you know, are That's concerned about in right some there. of these areas.
3: Yeah, Jamie, absolutely. It's Mentioning it's no a names. Little bit like it's a little bit like walking through your front door with the right shopping bags. So, you know, kind of coming back with your Harrods and with your Selfridges bags um, and walking through the front door so everybody can see where you've been shopping. I think getting your delivery from the right location and the right brand is equally the same. And I find it more than a little amusing um, how snobbish people have become as to who's delivering their shopping and also listening even to my own neighbours talking about people who are having maybe lesser brands delivering Um, and they go oh my god did you see what's parked outside number nine um so it it is it's becoming as i said the the new carrier bag is is what van is pulling up outside your house
0: well, um, I feel like we've only just got started, but um, I need to bring this to an end. And I think we, you'd agree that that's probably been a, a complex um, topic that hopefully we've, we've broken down and given you some, you know, some interesting angles to, to look at and think about. Um, customer experience is definitely a tough nut to crack. But what's clear is that um, while it's not the be all and end all, it's very important that we need to be thinking about it carefully. Um, It's a complex thing to create, and we always need to be mindful that it is truly grounded in what the um, customers actually want. Rory, Marie, Haley, thank you so much for joining me today. And thanks to everyone who's tuned into the session. I'm Jamie Brighton, and this has been The Debunk from Adobe, Marketo and Magento. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Debunk, and a massive thanks to all of our guests and to yourselves for tuning in. If you'd like to keep the conversation going, or if you want to read more of our exclusive content, head to the Adobe Chats page. While you're there, you can also catch the next episode of The Debunk. See you soon.